You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. It has been over 24 hours since I hit my number one target buck and did not find him. And so that's what today is going to be about. I'm going to talk about this property. I'm going to talk about how it lays, what the deer are doing, um, what led up to the shot, what I did after the shot, and then uh, what the goal is for the remainder of the rut. So um, it was absolute heartbreak. Absolute heartbreak. I don't even know. I, I really don't know if there is another... How do I put this? If your target is a mature whitetail, I don't know any other sport where the hunter or the sportsman is invested as much in their their goal as a, a hunter who only hunts mature top tier whitetails for that area especially if it's a specific target buck because trail cameras right i had i had several like hundreds of trail camera pictures of this deer over a two-year period i had a sightings with him like the every every amount of strategy i put into this rut so far has been to intercept this deer and when it all goes wrong it just it's it's extremely heartbreaking and i say that because i've lost big fish before but i got over it real quick um i've gone out pheasant hunting and i've missed birds that have got up right in front of me got over that real quick there's not a lot that is that you can be invested in on a on a on a species that all look the same right you know maybe with a fish uh, a really big fish uh, might break your heart a little bit but you don't you can't document this fish's pattern you can't watch a fish throughout the years you know things like that even turkey hunting, like it sucks when you miss a shot, but guess what? Eh, all these toms look the same. It is, it's the antlers. I think just like everybody that drive us nuts, it's the, the ability to identify specific animals, a specific deer saying, Hey, this deer has this style of antlers, or he's got a big cut in his ear or he has individual characteristics that allow us to identify him. And, and when you become that invested in a said thing and that thing, whatever your goal is, doesn't go right. I said it again. I'll say it again. It's heartbreaking. 
And so like, I don't know how to explain this, especially to someone like my wife. Because my wife was, she's, she's, she's not in it. She doesn't understand it. And, and I can, I can do, I can explain to every, all of my friends who don't hunt. I can try to explain to my wife and my kids, right? And so they're just not in it. If you're not in it, you'll never understand. You will never understand, right? I, I do my best to try to explain to them what this means to me, but they will never feel what I feel when something goes wrong. I gut shot a deer, right? And, uh, or you wound a deer and you can't recover the meat from it and you can't recover the deer, period. There's a lot that goes in through our minds, but these other people who are not in it, they just think that this is supposed to be easy, right? They think that, oh, well, why didn't you shoot him in his, his lungs and heart like you talk about? <laughs> and that's the last thing guys like us want to hear, right? We go home and then it feels like almost a brow beating from our wives where it's like, or our friends, and, or, oh, man, why didn't, you, why didn't you get this buck? Why didn't you, why didn't you shoot this deer? Why didn't you... Um, why, why, why don't you practice more? Why don't you like, and they, they give us these suggestions on what we should do to fix the problems that we had. And it's, and what really sucks, and this is where I get the most frustrated at is I did absolutely everything right. And I'll get into more detail about that here in a little bit, but I did absolutely everything right up until I squeezed my thumb release off. And I may have rushed my shot. I'm guessing it was just a rush, rush shot. I'd watch this buck come in from like 300 yards, trailing a doe. Whole scenario played out, and it just didn't work out. So um, there's not, like, I can't, I'm, I'm trying to think of another thing in life that happens when your body sinks like that. Like, I take this I take this shit very seriously. And so you know, I, I was joking with Mark Canyon. I was been texting Mark and and I know that's a blown out over exaggeration. Um and and I'm sorry to use that analogy if if in fact you've had to go through that. But there's a pain for a short period of time that you go through, like today I'm starting to get over it, but I, I replay this moment in my head and I can see where I fucked up, man. And, and that's, there's no excuse. I can't sit here and go, Hey, uh, it was this, or it was that, or it was a bird, or it was, a uh, you know, a tree limb in my way, dude, I blew a straight up deadly shot straight up. I blew it. And that's, that sucks to admit because when Here's the other thing, and I'll just be completely honest. When I missed that buck, I felt like a loser. Because someone who's in this space, right, I'm supposed to be maybe some kind of authority on hunting, right? And it doesn't work out the way it's supposed to or the way you see it done everywhere else, you know. I felt, dude, I feel like a loser, I felt like I not only let myself down, but I let the people who watch my content down or listen to my content. I feel like I, I left, I, um, I let my wife and kids down because of the time that I commit throughout the year to this thing. They're the ones truly sacrificing in my absence. And yet here I am just blowing a slam dunk shot on a, a true, like a, a once in a lifetime animal. And it, again, dude, that's why I named, that's why I titled this uh, uh, Bow Hunting Heartbreak, because this is the lowest of the lows right now. And I'm unsure, I'm, I'm really unsure if this buck is even alive right now. I'm hoping he is. My gut feeling, the initial reaction that I got with this buck 
when I shot him was dead deer or excuse me, was alive. He's, he's not going to die. That shot was dog shit. He's, and then I wanted to throw up and then jump out of the tree stand. Followed blood, got my hopes up, whatever. All right. I'm going to get into that here in a second, but I got to do a commercial real quick. And I, I also want to say real quick to all the people who have reached out to me and have shown, I guess the best word is compassion uh, and have said, dude, happens, right? Shit happens. Get back on your horse and, uh, and, and start riding again. And I will. And I will. So I appreciate everybody who's reached out to me and uh, has supported me and sent the good vibes. Dude, I, I, I needed it. I'll be honest, man. I needed it. And uh, so thank you for that. All right. Um, been, been sitting a lot in a saddle uh, over the you know past week. And uh, dude, I like saddles, man. I like saddles. Full disclosure, I don't sit in them every single hunt. But I do wear my saddle now as my safety harness if I am, if I go to a tree stand. It's just, I like it. It's more comfortable. It allows me to lean back if I want, stand up get a new angle on, on some stuff, stretch the legs. Uh, I really like, I'm not wearing a traditional safety harness anymore. It's always going to be a saddle. It's just much easier to, uh, especially with the pockets on the side, uh, the, the lockdown with tethered, th- that's badass, man. Uh, there's some other, um, accessories that you can add to like the, uh, the Phantom XL as well. So, uh, huge shout out to tethered, tetherednation.com. Go, and check out their products. Uh, Wasp Archery, man. Um, the broadhead didn't do anything wrong. The broadhead did exactly what it was supposed to do, and it created damage. It was my fault for shooting it into a part of a deer that did not uh, like have any vitals, right? So that's my own fault uh, there. So um, wasparchery.com. Fixed blades, mechanicals. I'm a huge fan of the uh, Jackhammer 3-blade. Go check them out. Discount code NFC20. Man, I don't know about you, but when I'm sitting in a stand or leaning back in the saddle, I'm glassing. Man, I'm a glasser. I I love to sit and relax, but most of the time, I'm up trying to get a one-up with the binos up, looking into the timber, looking throughout the area, looking to try to get ahead of a deer so that I'm not surprised. Um, vortexoptics.com, you know, please go out and check out the, uh, all of the, the products that these guys have to offer. Code Blue Sense. I just made a post on Instagram about Code Blue Sense. Um, dude, I went and checked a trail camera that I had over top of a mock scrape. And although the scrape itself didn't look like it had been worked a lot the rope-a-dope system that i hung with the orbital gland dude hundreds of pictures of deer so this might be an opportunity for people who uh, hunt in no bait no mineral states to throw one of these up and every single deer in the area has checked this whether it's been a doe or a buck they they're curious they want to know what that smell is they Come up to investigate it. Trail camera picture inventory. I'm 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 sold, and I will continue to, to use that. So, um, codebluesense.com discount code NFC20. Uh, Woodman's pal, man. I had to, the other day. I had to chop. No, it was two. It's like two or three days in a row, right? Micro adjusting my tree stands, putting sticks and stands into another um, sticks and stands up in, in uh, different trees. And I brought my Woodman's Powell on and just chop, 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 chop. Now, you're not going to chop like a six-inch branch off or a limb off, but it's perfect for hacking weeds out of the way, uh, hacking up small limbs to, you know, to set your your uh, camera or your cameras up or set your, your sticks up. And so a uh, huge fan of the, the Woodman's Powell, made in America, Wood, woodmanspal.com, Huntworth Camo. Dude, okay. I have had enough time in Huntworth now to safely say that outside of the elite camo, for the value, it's a no-brainer. But 
outside of the elite camo compared to every other camo that has been sent to me to review to um that i've hunted in over the years they have the best layering system and what i mean by that is you don't need a hundred different garments to stay comfortable in the tree stand you on different temps they're they're dude absolutely huge fan of their base layers okay huge fan of their uh they have a, a couple hoodies huge fan of their uh durham pants so like and I've beat the shit out of it, and they seem they seem to be holding up very well. And we have some colder temperatures coming up in the rut where I'm going to be able to use use my heat boost stuff. Absolutely not concerned at all. It's all about being comfortable in the stand, making sure you layer the correct way, and Huntworth has all of those options. So uh, go uh, check out Huntworth's website and just look at what you know, look what fits you. I'm going to be doing a full nine fi- or uh, hunting gear podcast here. Um, after the ruts over to talk in more detail about Huntworth and and their clothing. And then last but not least, if you're watching this on uh, YouTube, full sneak gear, check out the shirt, full sneak gear.com. The nine finger Chronicles hat is in, this is just one t-shirt from the full sneak lineup. Uh, Badass dude. These t-shirts, I just got them in yesterday. They feel amazing. The hat is legit. Uh, This rubber stamp on, on the front. It's uh, badass. Been getting a lot of comp, uh, compliments on it. Fullsneakgear.com. Go check it out. And uh, other than that, it's uh, I guess it's like story time. It's like therapy for me, right? Because um, when I was a kid, I used to, like, especially around the time when my parents were going through a divorce, and it was real, like, it was real stressful as a kid for me. It got stressful. I used to not talk at all to anybody, hold my emotions in and, and just feel like shit to the point when I was a kid, I I would, wouldn't want to talk to anybody and I would throw up because I was so nervous about whatever situation that I was going through, like bad grades. Like I I didn't want to, didn't want to talk to anybody about it. Didn't want to talk, you know, if there was a bully at school, didn't want to talk about it. Um, and I, I pretty much, along with some, you know, some pretty good parenting, I brought myself out of it, you know, at a later age. But I found that for me, just talking about my problems is the best therapy. It's, you know, the to make myself feel better about myself, you know, get those posit- positive vibes that we talk about so much. And so that's what I'm going to do today on this episode. Um, first, the, the first thing I need to do is lay this farm out. Okay, it's 240 acres, but I don't even hunt, I don't even, I only hunt 80 of it. And really, when you think about it and the way the property lies, you cut that 80 in half, and it's really only 40 acres or less that I'm hunting. Imagine a rectangle that's standing vertically. On the left-hand side is timber. I want to say less than 100 yards of timber um, in between the property line and the creek. And then it turns to pasture all the way to the east boundary. Um, And so basically it's a rectangle that's chopped in half and all of the activity happens on the left side of the property, on the west side of the property. Uh, The rest is pasture grass. Um, There's no cattle in it, but it gets mowed twice a year and they bale it. And then whatever they do with it. The rest of the property is just all open ag right and it's there's not a lot of cover there is there are a couple fingers that go into it but they're they're just the the activity does not run through those they all run on this 80 acre section the west side of this and so it's a it's a crazy layout because i can only access this particular farm from the south from a southeast gate opening it is a corner to corner I guess you would call it, it's, it's in a way, it's a corner crossing, but it, they have easement to go through this corner into their other property. And so I can only access this through one gate opening. All the other properties surrounding it have hunters and um, or have, or just, it's a no-go for access. And so my thing is, is that, I need to find, I need to be anal about my access routes leading into this property. 
And so before I had my e-bike, I was walking in and they bed on this CRP hillside that faces this gate entrance. And so every time I would walk in, deer could see me and I'd just see white tails bounding off. I, I, I got this e-bike mainly for Western hunting, but now it is a staple for me. When I drive my truck in or ride my e-bike in, they don't react to that at all. They, st- they sit tight in their beddings and it allows me to get in. Uh, when I was micro adjusting my tree stands, you'll hear me talk about this in a little bit. I was driving my truck right up to the field edge, getting out, left my car running and set the tree stands up while the car was running. And I did this because I, I call that, I don't know if other people call it that, but I call it a soft bump. If they see you in the woods or they see you walking through the, the, the uh, countryside, that's a hard bump. They see you, they run away. A soft bump is, hey, there's this car coming, uh, a combine, tractor, whatever. I'm just going to skedaddle for just a little bit, just out of range, and then I'll come back in. And so a soft bump is they're going to move, but they're not going to run to the next property or to the next county, right? It's, they're not scared. They're just, I'm just going to leave, and then I'll come back, right? And so really what this property boils down to is pinch points, And one specific pinch point in general where all deer movement moved through. And so last year, I shot my buck uh, in this pinch point. This year, and it was on, uh, imagine in in the center of this uh, property. I guess it would be in the center of it, uh, east-west. But on the lower third of it, north-south, there's a pond right in the center right? And so what this does is it creates movement to the low end where this pond wall meets the timber edge. And there's a whole bunch of like little grasses and CRPs and small trees that these deer feel really comfortable walking through. And so that, that is where I have set up my ambush is in this spe- specific terrain feature down back wind of this Paul, uh, Paul wall, <laughs> this pond wall. Uh, and so trail cameras been up since August trail camera data of all these deer piling through this, this, my number one target buck frequent frequented this specific area a lot. And uh, to be honest with you, uh, I was very confident leading into this season that I was going to, uh, get a crack at him, see him, find him and, and put put myself into a position to have a shot at him. Okay. And so whenever, again, I'll drop Mark's name. Whenever me and Mark get together, we, and we have these strategy talks, whether it's on this podcast or the wired to hunt podcast, we talk about the spot within the spot. And right. And so you can find the spot. It's really easy. If you're, if you're uh, absorbing the data that the deer are giving you, right? About how they move through the terrain, what their body language is like, things like that. You're, you're able to find the high density deer movement spot, right? Now within that spot, especially for a bow hunter, like if I was a, if I was a a rifle hunter, gun hunter, I'd just sit in this spot and I would, I would never get busted and I'd take hundred yard shots at these deer and easy, right? But as a bow hunter, you really have to micro adjust, make micro adjustments to your setups. You have to take into consideration wind. You have to take into consideration thermals. You have to take into consideration how the terrain affects your wind and affects your thermals. And so it's, uh, it can be a little bit tricky, especially like for me, it takes years to, to find the perfect ambush spot on certain winds and a lot of those winds change as foliage comes off the tree like right now there's there's very little leaves on the trees if there are it's like pin oaks and these and they're going to play a role in this story as well here they are uh trees that don't really lose their uh, their leaves even throughout the entire winter they, they seem to stick uh, stay on 
And so I've, I, I identified this pond wall. I identified the, the travel patterns that these deer were taking and specifically this big buck that, uh, this big buck that I, uh, was trying to kill. And so the first, the first day of the rut hunt was Saturday, November 1st, I believe. No, it wasn't Saturday, but anyway, it was November 1st and I get there and sure enough, I'm watching. I passed two four-year-olds in the first night. The next morning I rattled in nine bucks. I mean, it was pre-rut activity. Another four-year-old came in broadside, 20 yards past him because I had my eye on this one buck, right? And I'll, I'll tell you this, one of these deer that I passed was 150 inch uh, four-year-old and last year, without a doubt, I would have shot him. And I said to myself this summer, new goals, but, but I understood that with new goals comes new failures, right? If your plan of attack is to, to attack the high-end number one deer on the property, you have to know that that deer is going gonna, gonna to be harder to kill. He's wiser. He knows his environment better. And so you got you to gotta try to catch him slipping up. So anyway, I, I identified this pattern that this deer was doing, okay? He was on the north side of the property, northwest side of the property. He was coming out into the pasture. He was sent checking does, right? So here's what I'll say as far as strategy f- for all of you that are listening right now. The rut, who drives the rut? The does drive the rut. Find a doe group. You may not see a buck right now. But eventually, these doe groups are going to come into heat. One deer is going to come into heat, and it's going to change the dynamic of that doe group. And it's going to bring in more bucks. It's going to bring in the big dog if he's not already locked down with another doe from a different property. But the, the November 1st through the... Uh, what do I want to say? November 1st through the 4th pre-rut. They were sent checking does, but they weren't chasing them. So there was some small bucks chasing, you know, like, hey, this is my first rut. I'm going to go bang me a doe. Check this out. And, you know, they're going through the motions there. And the does are just like, dude, leave me alone, right? It's not not time yet. Meanwhile, the big dogs that I, that I uh, watched, they're very calm. They're very patient. They they live by the the old bull mentality, and that is why run after these does when we can walk down after these does, flex a little muscle, and that's exactly what I happened. Uh, what I saw happen on the morning. No, this would have been a different morning. I'll I'll, I'll get into that here in a second. So anyway, I, it's time to micro adjust. So I'm sitting on this pond wall. I'm watching all these deer come through this pinch point. It's time for me to make a micro adjustment. So there's a row of pin oaks, probably the size of my leg, if not smaller. And I'd say four or five inch trees. Three sticks got, went down to the, the uh, went down to this, where this field edge, it's, it's really a, I hate to call it a field edge because it's in a terrain feature, but they mow it for, for the grass. So I was sitting in this tree row watching these does come in and out of this pinch point. Like it's just a matter of time. Now, 300 yards away, I see him, uh, come out of the timber line and he's nose to the ground, scent checking does not really doing anything. He's not following any does. And I saw him bump a couple other bucks. So that told me he was like, hey, man, uh, stay out of my way. He's feeling aggressive. I put the horns together, and he turned right around, and he came right to me. Number one target buck, 170-inch, typical 10. That's uh, my, my best guess is he's gonna, he'd be in the one, 170s, low 170s, high 160s. Just the big, by far the biggest deer that I, I, I would have ever shot. And he's coming right into this pinch. Meanwhile, there's another buck up to the east of me, more on the downwind side. And so he saw this buck 
and he put his ears back and started shifting his path a little bit more towards this buck, which put him in the tree line. Now I was, I had a hard, I was, I put myself in a position where I was hoping these deer would walk right in front of me. Uh, but he hugged this tree line and my wind was just a little iffy. You know, I, you know, we talk about putting yourself in these, the perfect winds. And that's what I, that's what I was trying to do. And eventually my wind just got a little too close to him. He, uh, he got to 30 yards. I had a branch in my way, absolutely no shot on him. And, uh, he walked away, snorted a couple times in my direction. And then I watched him walk into the woods. I sat there for the rest of the night. Some other small bucks came through. The The timber emptied, and there were like 30 does or 30 other deer out there. And at last light, two big bucks, one of them him, came up, worked their way north and east onto the east side of the property. And I was like, dude, he's not going to come back in this pinch for forever, right? Well, that that after that hunt that or that night, I had one more morning to uh, to hunt before I had to leave to a, for a family gathering. So I ended up hunting that morning back at the pond wall to to pull myself out of that area, let it breathe a second, and then I went back and uh, sat in the pond wall stand where I could get a a, a good a good vantage point for half the farm, not the farm, not the part of the farm where he came out, but right as I'm climbing in the tree, I get a, a beep on my phone, self cell camera. And he's in, it, this is still dark. He's in a pinch point that I have a cell cam at, uh, further to the South. And he's heading away from me onto a different property, wherever that finger goes to the south. And so I said, well, I'm not going to see him today, but, you know, that's not say another buck won't show up. So I I said all morning and, uh, you know, uh, I believe that morning, uh, one of the other four-year-olds that already passed within the first two days came by, passed him again. Uh, There's a really good three-year-old eight-pointer there that he's probably like 140 inch. Just you can look at his body and he's tiny, but he's got, really good genetics and so uh that was a hard pass as well so i let i leave go to the family gathering the evening of november 4th and the morning of november 5th i am at a family gathering that night broad daylight he walks back through that pinch point he would have been a 20 yard shot broadside for me out of that stand that i had put into those into that tree row and he walks right by it November 4th would have been the stand that I would have been hunting it would have, I would have had a west a west wind would have been absolutely perfect for that stand that's where I would have put myself sure enough he came through and uh I was just like you know at this point it's happened to me so many times I can even remember my brother had his wedding several years ago and it was on November 7th and on November 7th, I got a, uh, back then there was no cell cams. I wasn't using cell cams, but I eventually went and checked that November, the evening of November 5th, when we were dancing and having the, the, uh, the reception, there was <laughs> this like 185 inch, just like 12 or something like that. Walked by one of my tree stands and I was just, I, I hold that against him to this day. Because, uh, you know, that's what all good brothers do. So I go uh, Saturday morning or uh, that Saturday morning, November 5th, you know, uh, pancakes, Hank played cards with the family. Uh, When my family left, I got packed up. I headed back to the property November, the evening of November 5th. I wanted to get clear onto the north side of the property where I had yet to hunt. South wind would be blowing my uh, sent into a, a, a CRP field, hypothetically an absolute perfect scenario. What I come to find out is that south winds don't necessarily mean south winds. And this is what I talk about when we, we talk about thermals 
and especially when thermals are fighting against thermals are fighting against predominant wind direction. And so it was a sunshine day. My therm when the wind was blown out of the south, the sun was shining on me. The the my scent went right into the CRP field. No questions asked. Per, absolutely perfect scenario and uh no problem. Sunsets behind. Deer were walking, you know, within within shooting range of me. No problem. You know, a handful of does came by. No problem. Well, sun goes behind, starts going behind the trees, and now I'm in shade, right? And from a terrain, I was sitting a little higher. There's a creek below me that led into the the timber. And so as the, as the sun goes down, my thermals are starting to pull down, but they're not pulling down with the, the predominant wind direction. They're following the terrain, which is lower to the south. And so that south wind isn't just gusting constantly. It's going, you know, and in those moments where it's not blowing, my scent shifts down into this lower creek bed. Okay, not terribly bad unless the deer gets straight in this thermal current. Well, what happens is all those thermals pack down into this one area. And when the, the wind gusts, it's like if you've ever put flour down on a table and blown it, it just doesn't all blow right into the same direction. It kind of mists out and makes like what I would call a bigger scent cone. And... Sure enough, I had a, a really good nine-pointer who I ultimately passed uh, later that night. Um, he, he, he got downwind to me, he ran away, and then I saw him chasing does right in front of me uh, later into that, uh, later that night. No big deal. He ended up busting me again when uh, a group of does got downwind to me, and uh, which leads me to this conclusion. I have to do... Uh, a doe a doe mission maybe this late season i'll just start popping does and hoping that uh because uh, there's so many deer packed into this little area i feel like i need to remove some of the herd but either way uh they the the thermals and the predominant wind were battling and it really didn't settle down until the sun went all the way behind the horizon. I had about 30, 40 minutes of shooting light left. And the thermal draw pulled down. It was consistent. There wasn't hardly any wind anymore. And sure enough, this absolute giant nine-pointer shows up. And he's got palmated, the tips of his main beams are palmated flat. Like if you put your hand, hand out. And they got uh, on the right side, the eight-point side, or the four-point side had like these little palmated tips coming off the tip it was sick awesome buck shooter for sure um uh, nice five-point typical side on the on the uh, left side and he was at 30 yards behind a tree i was ready and um he just did not he did not come in he went where the does were and uh, i thought he was going to come right to me I thought he was going to come right to me. He laid a scrape, he snort wheezed, and then he walked into the timber. And I have yet to see him again or even get a trail camera picture of him. I don't even have a trail camera picture of this bug. And so that's what uh, happened the evening of my birthday, which was November 5th. Morning of November 6th, back to the pond wall stand. And I am just like saying to myself, you know, he's going to show up. It was a soft, you know, I bumped him, but, you know, it's not like they're going to leave these does that are just getting ready to breed. November 6th, evening of November 6th. Um, I see him. I see my number one target buck in a field with a doe and he's locked down. So no November no morning or afternoon of November 4th, November 5th. Um, he wasn't locked down 
the the morning of November 6th, he is locked down on a doe. He's keeping all other bucks away. There was a cup, uh, one of the four-year-olds that I passed, a beautiful eight-pointer with a junk. Dude, next year, this, this buck will be unreal as a five-year-old. And so he's defending her. He's uh, walking towards these other bucks, puts his ears back, snort wheezing at them, just doing what big dominant bucks do uh, when they're trying to, you know, keep a doe close, fight off all these bucks. And eventually what happens is they walk down to this crick system. They're coming. They came through the pinch and I had him at 70 yards, no shot. If I was in, if I was in, this was on a Northwest wind that morning, right? So if I was in, I probably would have been able to get away with it at, um, at that other stand. But I, I don't like going into this place, especially not knowing what the thermals are going to be doing. Uh, and so this farm is definitely a predominant wind direction versus thermal farm. Like they fight all the time. So he walks through, he walks through the uh, um, timber or he walks through that, that pinch that I had the other tree stand in. And I said, oh man, this sucks. I had another north, I know I had a west wind coming up the evening of the 6th. And I said to myself, I got to get in a different tree down in that little, the, the spot within the spot. So I micro adjusted once again, got some sticks up in a, uh, in a, in a tree down there, downwind to the, it would have been the east of the trail or downwind of where he was going and it would have been like a 12 yard shot okay if he came through this pinch again and so i left got my truck drove my truck right down to this tree again left it running put a put the tree stand up in it Um, also the next day was going to be an east wind so then i went into the timber further um and set another tree stand up, uh, sticks up in the uh, in the timber on an east wind, so that I could walk in in the morning, and have my scent blowing into the uh, opposite cattle pasture on a different property. Right, I, I, this this property is just not really set up for east winds, um, and so that's what I did. Anyway, time to hunt, right? I get back into my, my tree stand. I, I didn't want to get in too early because I'm just a little bit exposed. The tree comes out just a hair off uh, of the, the rest of the trees are. And so it's one of those stands where it's decent cover, but you got to sit still in it. Does start to come through and it is, it's, um, it's, it's still like so fresh in my head. Uh, I saw these does popping out, all these bucks popping out. Uh, f- so I can see the north side from this stand. I can see the entire north side of the farm, but I can't see what's behind me. And so what I'm doing on this hunt, I'm just pretty much saying, I saw him go this direction. I don't give a shit what happens uh, the rest uh, to the to the south part of the property. It's, it's a risk that I'm willing to take blowing my scent into this finger behind me, knowing that there is a chance deer will get downwind of me. Sure enough, I would say as I'm, as I'm climbing into the tree stand, getting buckled up, a doe busted me. She blew. She came all the way around. I bet you she walked 600 yards just to get downwind of me and blow at me again. And I ended up, um, getting busted by these two does they ran away they blew for a while but there's there's does there's so many deer out there they're starting they spook themselves so way to the north of me even i could hear i could hear blowing from something i'm not sure what it was the cool part about this is that they were combining corn to the property to the north of me and it was loud like you could just hear the echo come down this valley and it sounded like they were combining right in front of you. And so the deer were, in, in my opinion, desensitized to all this like potential other noise because all they can hear is this combine. But still, they're used to it, and they're out in this pasture. Some medium, bu- some medium bucks start to pop out. 
then here he comes following a doe, probably the same doe comes out and, uh, he, he pops, he pops out and it, I'm, I'm, I said to myself, there's no way I'm calling at this deer. I'm not going to rattle at him. I'm not going to grunt at him. I'm not going to snort wheeze at him. He didn't respond to snort wheezes, um, that morning to try to get him to come in. And, and here's what I'm going to say about calling this time of year. If a buck is by himself, it can be deadly. But if a buck is with a doe, in my 20-plus years of hunting, I have only rattled one buck off of a doe. Uh, it's only one time a buck pulled off of a doe and came to investigate, and I shot him. No, I, I didn't shoot that one. I think I passed him. Either way, I didn't know what he was. I rattled at him. He left this doe, came to investigate. Anyway, and so, and so I'm just like, it, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And sure enough, this, these buck, this buck comes r- like, is just coming right, right into this, this pinch. And it's, it's going to happen at this point. I'm saying it's going to happen. The, the only issue is there were a couple deer. I believe it was the fawn from the doe that was in heat, right? This buck was on, the big buck was on the doe. This doe was still kind of in a doe group. There's a lot of times where I'm sure you guys have witnessed this. Once a doe's in heat, she'll break off from the doe group and the other does will go do their thing and she she gets basically chased to death by whatever bucks. But this doe was still kind of hanging with her doe group and she peels off and you can see she's really nervous. Another buck comes in, smaller buck, and this uh the the big dog comes right in and is like bullying him out. Um this fawn was starting to get downwind to me though. And it was just I'm not talking dude, I want to say like 6 feet. She was like 6 feet away from entering my my scent cone or my what I thought was my scent cone cuz I have this little powder in my bino case that I scored out and it you know, you can see where the wind's going. It's wind checker. I thought she was going to get downwind to me, and I was like, fuck, it's over, dude. It is over. Well, anyway, um, they all pile into this pin oak stand, right, where I had the tree stand. And I'm lucky I didn't sit in that stand again because they would have been down. They would have got in behind me. This doe pops out, and she's at like 35 yards but she's coming directly towards me. What do you know? Here he comes right after her. And the game's on. I picked my bow up and I was just like doing this little thing where you're just so moving so slow, get the range finder up. And I'm just, I'm ranging this doe. I'm not even ranging the buck. I'm ranging the doe because I know that he's going to be however many steps behind her. Right. And so all I have to do is wait for him to get to the position where this doe was standing ranger 20 yards, whatever. And then it's just, he's close enough to use the top pin. And so range. And I thought for a second, she was going to pop into the timber, uh, on the opposite side out of shooting range and pull him in and then loop all the way around me. But he, she didn't, she stayed in the field. There's a big tree and bush right in front of me. And that, that bush was 19 yards. I ranged it. And so she was in front of it. She's quartering towards me. He's like head on. She peels away. He peels away. And he's at, he's at 20, 20 ish, 19 ish yards. I slowly draw back because like I said, I'm a little exposed in this tree and the fabric of my, I'm sitting in the, I think it's a birch tree and you know, I think it's these birch trees have the the bark that kind of U shapes out and they're real, they're real sticky or not sticky, but like they snag on everything. They're very loud when you're setting a stand up or sticks up, it's crunch, crunch, crunch. And so I drew back and my forearm, the fabric over my forearm caught that and made like a, and I'm like, fuck, the doe heard me. 
She took two bounds. And I'm at full draw anchor. Like I'm getting everything ready. And he is quartering towards me. And he's following this doe. With He's standing there. He looks around. I pull the trigger. Right. And so like this, this moment of me, like putting my, putting my sights on him and pulling the triggers so blurry. This is where, this is where like shit hits the fan. Like I'm just like, I wasn't calm and collective. Like I was last year. I was, I buck fever, dude, straight up, straight up buck fever. And ultimately, two inches lower is a whole different debacle. I mean, it, it's a it's a whole different ball game. I'm, I'm definitely hitting opposite side lung, maybe even spine in the neck. I aimed for the shoulder. I hit above the shoulder, and it was high though. Pass through. Gut reaction. Fuck. That's the first thing that came out of my head, man. I wanted to, again, I wanted to cut the, I wanted to throw up. Because sometimes you can hit a deer and you're like, oh, good shot, good shot. And then you never find them. But I hit this deer and it was, nope. My, was, my initial reaction was, nope, he, I'm not going to find him. So anyway, I'm sitting there wanting to jump out of my tree stand, right, head first end it all like I didn't even call my wife I didn't even call anybody I just sat there and I was like you know you work Johnson you just messed up on the biggest buck that you've ever like the, probably the second or third biggest buck that you've ever released an arrow on and you didn't have it together. And so I'm, re, you know, oftentimes we replay in our head what we did wrong. And I just rushed it, man, straight up rushed it 20 yard shot. I mean, I sh- I've shot, I've shot several deer at that same exact quartering towards, but you know, four inches lower. I pulled my shot, man. I have no excuses other than myself, right? My equipment worked fantastic. My strategy worked fantastic. It was me, user error. And so, um, like, I'm right now, I'm, I'm just I'm replaying it in my head, and I want to cry, dude. It sucks, man. And so, wait till dark. I waited probably an hour or so, because this was fairly, fairly early, man. There was still sun on the hilltops. And shoot, I'm like, gosh, shit. Said, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to glass. Arrow goes through him. I can see that it's a pass through. Okay, that that helps the odds. But I, I'm glassing the arrow, and I don't see any blood on it. I'm like, I just got meat, dude. I just got meat. Dark comes, headlamp on. I go pull the arrow. There's blood on the fletchings, though, on the pink fletchings. And I'm like, hmm, Okay. I guess it's not all bad, right? But still, no blood on the arrow, no blood on the broadhead. It just did not look, it didn't look like a kill a kill shot. So I'm like, well, let me at least go into the timber to find where, find where he's at. And, or see if there's any blood. Because my gut reaction is, hey, he's going to live, not a big deal. So I found some blood. Cross this little dry creek, find some more blood, find some more blood, find some really good blood. And now I'm, now I'm starting to go, dude, dude, maybe just maybe one of my blades caught the top of his, his opposite side lung. Right. And that's when I said, you know what? Time to back out. Come, come at it fresh tomorrow morning when there's, when there's more light backed out. I backed out. And I ended up, um, uh, I, ba- I backed out and sure enough, um, went, went, went and had one of those sleepless nights, right? You know, if you followed along on Instagram, I, you know, I told the story there. It was, um, 
don't know, I just felt like throwing up all night. Next morning, get out there. You know, long story short, get on the track job. Track, track down, you know, find last blood, put an arrow in the ground, go find the next spot, go back to the arrow, put it in the new spot. And I'm, that's what I'm doing, right? Marking last blood, go find new blood, come back. And so uh, I think, I think my, uh, my tracker on my hunting app said 5.3 miles. Well, no, that was 5.3 miles plus. So basically three quarters of a mile. I walked following this blood until I eventually lost it in tall grass and he walked into he walked into the uh the, the main grass the grasslands the pasture ground and that's where I lost the blood and so I'm not the kind of guy who likes to give up easy so I started grid searching and I grid searched the entire property um basically hoping to run into a bloody bed. I was just hoping he was going to bed down and chill out. But I don't think I hurt him that much, to be honest with you. I think I hit him just in fat and hit him in the meat of the the top of the neck and the shoulder uh, and just was above the spine and above the ribs and didn't get and didn't get anything. I didn't get anything. I felt like, if I would have nicked a lung, I would have had a little bit more blood and it would have been con- more consistent, even though there were s- spots where you could see that he was stopping and it would pool up, right? It was dripping like drip, 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 drip. And then he would take off walking and be drip, 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 just following that. And then eventually it just turns into one drop every 10 yards. And you're like, Fuck. So there comes a time as a bow hunter when you got to know what's the next step, all right? So my my next step was I've been on a lot of these track jobs. Man, I've even hit deer in the exact same spot before, and it sucks. It really sucks knowing that um, that I, I don't know what the outcome of this is going to be. Did I wound this deer? Yes. How, how much did I wound him? Is it superficial? Like, did I get him in fat and muscle? You know, these deer will be out rutting if that's the case. He'll like, I'm just waiting to get a trail camera picture of him. That's what I, that's what I think is I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking at my trail camera, my cell cam right now. And, uh, we'll see what, what happens here. No, no pictures, no pictures of him. But I grid searched. I did my due diligence. My gut tells me he's still alive. And so I made the decision after grid searching the property and blowing it to smithereens as far as uh, pressure now is that I have to now, I've backed out. I've come home and I'm going to be, be home, let's see, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm leaving Saturday morning to go back to the farm. So I'm going to give it a good three and a half days of setting, letting it recover, letting the deer get back onto the property, um, letting the rut there recap, and hoping that the rest of the crops and the surrounding uh, farms come out because uh, I'll tell you this, man, it's uh, I still think it's good, going to get good and still it's still going to be good. Now, from a strategy standpoint, man, I feel like I'm just going to do the same exact thing, right? I'm going to go find this. I'm going to find this pinch. The only thing that I'm, I might have to do if he doesn't come through this pinch and he comes back, you know, an injured buck is going to be way more weary and I'm going to have to find him slipping up on a doe or like, you know, following a doe again possible that's what he did when i shot him the first time i'm sure there's a chance that that happens again there's going to be some other deer uh in the area that are straight up giants and uh, if they walk by I'll, i'll crack at them but i would really love confirmation that this buck is still alive 
that will not only ease my soul, but it will let me know what, like what my standards are for the rest of this year, because I'm going to, I'm going to late season hunt this farm too. This farm holds really good deer for the late season. And I'm going to, I'm going to hunt, like I'm going to hunt it. I'm probably going to get a muzzle loader. So maybe I don't get them during the archery season, but I, I might, I might, I might pop in and, uh, grab a, you know, grab a muzzle loader, shoot them at 70 yards or something like that. Just how the, just how this property lays and where they're going to go. The neighbor to the North is a late season guy, uh, non-resident late season guy. So he comes in, uh, for late season muzzle loader. And I will unfortunately be cutting him off on this farm. It's just, it's just how the terrain lies. So yeah, standing beans, I'm gonna, uh, I'm going to be there late season. I'm going to be there for five days. So like, uh, when it, when's this gonna, I'm going to, this is launched. This episode is, has started on or aired on Wednesday. So I'm going to have Saturday night, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning. So like really five total days, uh, left to get it done before I have to go back to being a dad. We got student teacher conferences. We got wrestling tournaments, all this, all these things. There might be some time where I might be able to get back even later in the season, but, uh, like later in the archery season before shotgun hits and, and heck, maybe that's, that's what I'll do, but it's up in the air. Now I know for sure I have five days to get the job done, uh, here in the rut. Uh, coming up so that would be the 11th through the 16th uh that uh that time frame still really good deer movement to be honest with you my trail cameras throughout the year or throughout the years have shown me that the biggest bucks show up when the um the biggest bucks show up when the uh when the rut is on its downhill slide, right? They finish breeding the does in their area. They start cruising. They're looking for the next doe. And that's when you start to see these bonus bucks on, on your property. And, and, uh, it sure would be nice to run into one of those maybe too. But ultimately my goal is still on, uh, a buck. I'm going to, I don't even know. I want to, I want to call him lucky, but because he got lucky that I'm a piece of shit, <laughs> really, is, uh, is, is what happened. But a lot of me talking today. Thanks for bearing with me. That's the goal set forward. Now, here's, here's strategy. Let's talk a little bit about some strategy. Um, really lock down access routes. I mean, right now, if you're, if you're hunting or if you're getting ready to go hunt, access routes, dude. Access routes kill deer. That's, that's, that is my opinion. Um, that's what I hang my hat on as far as how I put myself in the right position. Access route first, then find the tree, right? Or reverse engineer where the deer are at and say, how do I get to this point? That's something you have to be thinking about all the time is your access routes. How wind direction is going to impact your your access route. And then there's some things that you can only learn when you're in the tree or on the ground. What is the wind doing in this particular spot? The weather channel says it's out of the north, but when I get here, it's out of the west. Um, what are the thermals doing? They're going to go high to low with terrain at you know when the sun's down, but when the sun's up, they're going to go low to high. How is that going to impact that stand? And so really, it's just keep your mind open always like it's better to overanalyze in my opinion than underanalyze and be and and take it haphazardly now if you're the kind of guy who just is going to shoot anything that walks by and you want to fill the freezer then man good luck to you uh you don't really need to work go into that much depth or detail in order to get the job done i, I guess unless you live in a uh like i've talked to some guys from vermont and I've talked to some guys from Maine, like the Northeast, where they don't have a very big deer population. And uh, they got they got a, every deer takes, whether it's a, a doe, a yearling doe, or, you know, what 
up there they consider a mature buck it's gonna be uh tough to do but for me access routes find the doe groups i'm still hunting doe groups i'm still hunting terrain features and trying to find where these deer like travel corridors really right in between bedding to food still bedding to food find the best terrain feature in that bed to food pattern put yourself in the best position like this isn't rocket science we talk about this all the time we've talked about this all the time i've done over a you know i've done over the nine finger chronicles is knocking on 900 episodes and we talk about it all the time so now now it's time just to to implement what what your goals are what your strategy is just do it and do it do it flawlessly you're going to get busted and especially when you're aggressive you're going to get busted um that's that's going to happen uh sometimes putting yourself into this in a pinch point with bad wind in order to you're you're going to sacrifice one direction anyway you might as well sacrifice the direction with the least that's going to have the least amount of impact one doe could come through and blow at you it's not over i mean my case is a perfect example it's definitely not over and so it's uh it's time use your brain get in the woods nothing right now beats time in the tree stand or time in the saddle it's time or the blind or whatever it is it's time to get out it's it's time right now no more waiting like moon phase doesn't mean shit right now okay there's going to be some people that are going to tell you hey check it check this app out it's going to tell you where the hunting is good i checked that app out hunting was supposed to be poor that night i saw 40 deer and had a crack at you know i, I shot a boon and crockett animal didn't kill it but that's what i'm talking about like right now i don't care if it's 80 degrees outside go hunting it's time right now so that's what's going on man um huge shout out to tethered wasp vortex code blue woodman's pal and uh the hunt and huntworth and go check out fullsneakgear.com the nine finger chronicles hats are there the um all of the t-shirts are there now uh, within if if you've already placed an order i'm going to try my hardest to get start to get some of these out i or i ordered a label maker and some labels those have to come in yet and uh once once they're in man i'm game and this business is going to um, start rocking and rolling sending out orders uh go to fullsneakgear.com and check out all of the other options that um uh, that, that I have there. So, oh uh, man, it's all about good vibes this time of year. So I am sending good vibes to each and every one of you, man. Please go out, hunt hard, hunt safe. Dude, slay. Fill that freezer. Make some kick-ass back straps. Make some kick-ass jerky. Send me some pictures of everything. Dude, I love, I'm in, like, when it's kind of dead in the tree, I love flipping through the direct message that I get from you guys that are like, Dan, I got it done. And I check it out. I'm like, oh, shit, this is awesome. Dude, it motivates me. Honestly, it motivates me. And so keep doing that. Good vibes in, good vibes out. If you're going to be in a tree, wear your damn safety harness. And man, we'll talk to you when we talk to you.